Glasses, a show about book culture and literary life designed to help you read better. I'm writer, filmmaker, and book devourer, Mallory O'Mara. And I'm Bria Grant, filmmaker and e-reader. This episode, we're talking about craft books with author and filmmaker Don Coscarelli. But first, what are you reading, Bria? I read a book that you've already talked about on the show, but I read it and I loved it so much that I'm going to give it a re-shout out. What book? Uh, the Library Book by Susan Orlean. Uh. Um, it's on a lot of great best books of the year. If you are a library fan... You have got to read Which you this should book. be. Um, I'm a library fan. But even if you aren't, it's, it's interesting. It's so good. I'm just going to throw out a fact that I really enjoyed. So I always wonder about, so I order books from the library and have them shipped to my local library. Yes, that's what I do with my research books. You, right, which is something you can do. I do a lot of e-books, but um, I, I do that often. It's something you can do in the L.A. public library system. And the hub for those books shipping is the central library and one chapter is about that aspect of the library system. and Yeah, I love that chapter. Within, it's so fascinating. Yeah, within the L.A. Public Library, Central Central Library, an entire library's worth of books passes every day. Yeah. So it's like 70,000 books. It's amazing. It's crazy. How, maybe that's way more than it is. I don't remember the number. But it's some crazy number like that. And that that just like was so fascinating. And these are like our public do- dollars going to use, which I think is really fantastic. Mallory already talked about it, but it's essentially a history of L.A. public libraries. One of my favorite parts is they had a very early uh, female librarian, which was really cool. And then she got taken, like, she she was fired because she was a woman. <laughs> L.A. Um, and then, so sort of the history of it up until um, a library, when the Central Public Library uh in LA um, was burned down, or not the whole thing, but a good portion of it was burned. So it's all it's like hi- micro history, but also true crime. Yeah, because they also follow the story of the of the person they think is the arsonist and sort of what he was doing in LA. His like crazy, like I'm an actor and I know all these famous people, and yeah. he didn't know anybody. Like life that he was living, and um, it's just a really well. And then she goes around and talks to people at the library and about how you know libraries originally started. You had to be. Um, you had to have you have to have pay for a membership. No children were allowed. Only men were allowed. It was like very fancy, and the library is still a fancy, cool place. But now it's open to the public, and it's one of the few public institutions where anybody can walk in at any time and get something, and they can use the space. And so, a lot of the LA the LA library system has to um, it, they partner with homeless initiatives and things like that, things that like we aren't even thinking about that libraries yeah. are doing, but they are providing spaces for all sorts of people. Um, I loved this book. I if I had ne- read it before we had done our our best of the year book, I would have totally been on my list. Yeah, I was reading it while we were doing that, that those episodes, and I had the same. I was like, man, I wish I been it, able to put this on my best of list. It checks all my boxes, and there's not even any sci fi in it, which yeah. is amazing. Uh, what are you reading, Mallory? Uh, so I'm just finished a book that I just gave to you for you to read that I am super excited about. Uh, it is Magic for Liars by Sarah Gailey. Um, and it is, it's basically like if you t- took out all the problematic and rapey parts of the magicians and mixed it with Megan Abbott. Oh, cool. I didn't read The Magicians. Neither have I. Okay. But I know that <laughs> it's about a magic school and it's got some problems with rapey stuff okay 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 uh but this book i literally read this book in one sitting i didn't get up i sat there for four and hours it's a long book I, you gave it to me it's a decent like 300 book. something pages okay but I, yeah i read it i i did not get up once wow it is 
incredible. It is so, so if you're like, if you like uh, Megan Abbott or Tana French, it's like this really super compelling mist, like murder mystery. And you're trying to figure out this relationship with these two sisters. And one of them is magic and one of them isn't. And it's all like in this magic school. That's not anything like Harry Potter at all. And it's really funny because they make jokes in the book about how it's not like people think that's what magic school is like. So if you like fantasy or mystery, or if you're a fan of Tana French or Megan Abbott, this book, like pre-order it now. It comes out in June. It is incredible. Awesome. Uh, So we are going to take a moment to answer a recommendation request from Julia. Uh, Julia says, somehow I've recently gotten into a spiral of only reading depressing murder death books. (laughs) It happens to all of us. Uh, The Immortalist, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, Sharp sharp Objects. And I'm feeling very burned out. I'm looking for a book recommendation of something the total opposite, with happiness and sunshine and pleasantness and no conflict whatsoever. Bria, what should Julia read? I think I've already made this recommendation on the podcast. You can tell me if I have. I think you talked about this book when you were reading it. Oh, okay. I've recommended it to people for this reason, uh, one of my friends was going, she was going on a vacation by herself and wanted just something very relaxing to read by a pool that had nothing harsh in it. And the book is Sourdough by Robin Sloan. Um, it's, um, it involves cooking, if you like cooking, but you don't have to like cooking. Um, it has a bit of magic in it. It's basically about a woman who gets a sourdough culture and uh, a culture is like what you make, like a starter. You know, like we, that's how you make sourdoughs with a starter. It's all the yeast, right? Do you need to switch chairs? <laughs> Reader, uh, listen to No, this is fine. Listeners don't realize that I sit in a very weird chair when weird we record. Chair. Don't know why. <laughs> I feel like you've made that choice. <laughs> it's, it's one of those chairs that you like kneel in, but I'm constantly I'm like, I never quite do it right. Sorry. Um, but sourdough, it's it's really good. It's um, it's basically she gets this starter from these people, and she starts making the sourdough bread. And I can't tell you, it's not, I mean, the, the story's not that complicated, but it's very grounded, and it has a little bit of a magical realism element to it, but it doesn't involve any people getting murdered. It's about, like, you know, her, like, finding her truth, sort of, in this, like, How can a book about culture. bread not be nice? It's a nice bread it's book. It's such a nice bread book, and it makes you, the whole time, you're just, like, wanting to make bread. After that, you're like, I gotta go make some bread. And, like, you... It you should get be, some bread and then read Sourdough and eat the, eat the eat nice the comforting bread, bread and read like the nice honey, comforting book. Some nice vegan butter, you know. <laughs> uh, Mallory, what do you think? What do you think this person should read? I think Julia should read The Readers of Broken Wheel Recommend by Katerina Bivald. And it is the sweetest, most feel-good book. I love it so much. It's about this Swedish woman, and she's really unhappy with her life, and she works at a bookstore. And she has this pen pal who's this old lady who lives in Iowa. And she goes on vacation, and her old lady friend invites her to come visit her in Iowa. Only when she gets there, she, like gets off the plane and takes it like an like all these like a bus and then a car and she's like trying to get out to the middle of nowhere Iowa and she finally gets to this tiny town and she finds out that her old lady friend is dead. Oh, that is but, a dead person. That's you this supposed to have no dead people. Well, okay, let me, I'm not done. <laughs> so, uh I mean, but the lady was really really old and she's I see. like I see. Yes. Well, I'm still on vacation and the old lady like let her leave live in her house. So she's just like I'll stay in this town. And she ends up just like loving this tiny Iowa town. And she's this like adorable Swedish woman. And she decides to open a bookstore and stay there. Uh, so 
it's like this super cute story of like her convincing all the curmudgeonly people in the town that they need a bookstore and they all start love like coming in secretly and getting books because they want to read and they love the books and then she there's a really cute romance and like she falls in love with some guy and it's just like it's so adorable oh, I love and it. it is so wholesome and it's like a book for people who love books it's a book for people who love bookstores and you will love this woman and like i just this book feels like a nice hug Yay. And besides, like, it sounds depressing at the beginning, but it's super not sad that this old lady dies. And it's just, like, there's not a ton of conflict. There's, like, a little bit of, like, romantic comedy conflict. But it's just so, like, this is a great beach book. This is a very nice, gentle book. All right. So you can always email us your recommendation requests at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And before we talk about craft books with Don Coscarelli, we're going to take a quick break. So, Bria, it's 2019. A lot of people are trying to get their stuff together. They're trying to make some goals happen, do yeah. s- make a new career happen. Yeah, you're trying to be an actor, a farmer, a space cadet, a writer, <laughs> a science fiction monster. <laughs> uh, that oh, I'm changing my career right now. You want to be a science fiction monster? I want to be a science fiction monster. I might grow up and be a mad scientist. <laughs> but you know what you need to succeed? What? Website. Uh, it's so true. And I have a website, and you have a website. I do. And you know who makes both of those websites? Squarespace. Bria, what are the things you can do with Squarespace? Um, You can turn your cool idea into a new website. I mean, this is, I do think in this day and age, it is very, very important. I was Googling actors the other day looking for something specific, and those who did not have websites without reels on them, I kind of ignored because it's yeah. hard to find their information. Yes. Um, I think that it is really important to turn your idea or who you are into a website. Yes. Oh, my God. When I'm looking for – when I'm hiring for things, when Ugh. I'm looking for writers, when we're looking for guests for the show. Yes. When I am – when I'm, like, on a film and looking to pe- for people to hire, the first thing I do is try to find a website so someone can have – all their information about them and their work and how to get in contact with them. And you also need it to promote to promote that business, not just yourself, but I moved recently and I went on and looked at people's websites and it had all their information and how much they cost per hour and if it didn't have that information, then I exited out because there's a lot of movers in Los Angeles. Yep. And you can also use it to announce an event coming up. So you have a book tour coming up and guess where you can find that information? On my website. And uh Folks who listening to the show might not realize, but I don't know anything about technology. It is all magic to me. Bria does all the technical parts of the show. And I was, when I first became a writer years ago, I was really intimidated. I didn't know what I was going to do for a website. I was just using a Tumblr. And then I heard, started with Squarespace and it was really easy. It was super, super easy. And I got my domain and I got my website and I got it up and running that day. It's so easy to put together in my website. It looks pretty nice. Gotta say. Yeah, they look amazing because they have templates ready to go. Everything is optimized for mobile, so you don't have to worry about getting that weird mobile thing. Yep. And and it's secure hosting. And also, I will say they have very, very, very good customer support. I've used it many times because I always mess things up and want them fixed. <laughs> now, so if there's something that you want to do this year, if you're a writer or a book reviewer, or you do something that you really want to amp up that professional part of your life, or take one of your hobbies and turn it into something that's more professional, best way to do it, get a nice-looking website. So go to squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code GLASSES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com, enter code GLASSES. 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 (laughs) 
Genre film fans, hear me. I know you're out there. Do not be ashamed of your love for gore, action, sci-fi, or fantasy. It's time to come out of the shadows. Because on Switchblade Sisters, we celebrate our love for genre films. I'm film critic April Wolf. Each week I have a conversation with a different female filmmaker about their fave genre film, and we cover film craft, getting projects off the ground, working with actors, and our general love for genre movies. I've had so many great guests, like Heather Graham. In the past, it's like so many films are made by men that the female point of view is not always respected, which is why all these stories haven't come out till now. Jennifer's body director, Karin Kusama. I think there's a lot more fantasy and a lot more expectation projected onto a woman director. Comedian and actor, Kate Berlin. I mean, it sounds so cheesy to talk about it in yourself, like, you just keep going, You're, you know, I'm just a vessel, like, I I just do it, you know, I don't think, but, like, that is what it is. And many others. So check out Switchblade Sisters every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. This week, it's all about craft books. Books that teach you about a certain craft, vocation, or hobby. So we got carpentry books, writing books, or in the case of today's guest, filmmaking. We've got awesome filmmaker and author of True Indie, Don Coscarelli, here in the studio with us. Don, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, so happy to be here. Thanks for inviting me. This is great. So tell us all about your book that you have been touring with and talking about and everyone I know has read. Hey, before I do that, I just thought of something, which is, Bria, we we sort of met over books. That is actually true. Because my first introduction to you was you had read my daughter's cookbooks that (laughs) Chloe Coscarelli. Extreme Bria thing. Yes. And then... uh, They're great vegan cookbooks. Anybody, I think she's put out three? Yeah, four now. Four now. Yes, chefchloe.com. And shameless plug for my daughter. But uh, anyway, I and then uh, we have a mutual friend in Jeff Connor who was working at IDW at the time who uh, had worked with you or edited you on a book that, or a short story that you wrote in the collection. It was Zombies versus Robots, was that it? Yeah, yeah. Zombies versus Robots. They did a... Um, uh, People, they asked people to write short stories within the yes. universe of the comic, and I was a fan of the comic. We've had Chris Ryle on the show who writes the comic, yes. um, and and wow. I wrote a, a short story for it. Yeah, and it was terrific. It's I a genuinely tiny world here it. in the Thank horror you. world. It is, yeah. it is, the horror world is small. Yeah. So we have a literary connection. <laughs> we do have a literary here, connection. Yes. That's right. Wow. That's right. But tell us about, yeah. about your book. Well, True Indie, uh, a subtitle, which came from the publisher, interesting enough, which was Life and Death in Filmmaking. <laughs> At first I thought, oh, wow, that's pretty dramatic. But uh, I got the connection, and it, it made a lot of sense because I'd spent so many years making these phantasm movies, which uh, basically is about this uh, evil tall man and his trade is death and the whole funerals and all that stuff. So it made a lot of sense. Um you know, it was an interesting thing. I, I didn't uh, set out to write a book. I think I always had aspirations to write fiction. I still do. And, um, you know, in uh, making this film, John Dies at the End, I met the writer, uh, David Wong, and his publisher and helped them in the publishing of their promotion of their book. And so I got to know them. And they, the editor there came to me and said, oh, you should write a book. And I said, great. And I thought I'd write some fiction. But he wanted me to write a uh, memoir. And the more I thought about it, 
uh, I thought that, you know, I'd been in the industry. I'm at a relatively young age because I started so early. Yeah. I've been in this business for decades and had a, a lot of interesting stories over the years. And so I started trying to write a little bit. And it uh, it started to – it was actually fun. Really enjoyed doing it and telling my story. And um, I think maybe what's most interesting about True Indie is my early years for me because I started making films at a really young age. I was like 18 years old on the first film. And, um, you know, the film ultimately was released and bombed. And then I made another <laughs> indie film at 21, and it was released again by a major studio and bombed. And I just, to protect myself, I had to wipe those experiences out of my mind. Mm -hmm. I like compartmentalized them and put them away. And so as I started to write True Indie and revisit those times, I realized what an amazing experience I had on that very first film because wow. struggling at age 18 on a super micro budget with friends and students making this movie and then like a Cinderella story getting the film picked up by Universal Studios. My neighborhood friend, Craig Mitchell was his name, we co-wrote and co-directed the film. And at age 19, we had an office on the Universal lot. And had, the ear, <laughs> and had the ear of the studio president who had seen the film and had uh, picked it up. And so telling this story of the indie through the studio, and then, of course, the movie bombed, and we were <laughs> shown the door from our office on the lot. And I never had another office on a studio lot uh, since. Um, and at any rate, so that was an easy way to get into writing it and telling the story of, or my story, of uh, uh, indie filmmaking. What I was saying for the mics before we turned the mics on was um, that I loved that you talk a lot about how hard it is and about these failures because I think it's really important to talk about as artists that not everything we look at Instagram and it seems like everyone's life is going perfectly. so well. Yes, absolutely <laughs> true. And then, but having the having hearing your story. You know, and hearing all about these things that didn't work out the way you'd hoped they would. <laughs> but then knowing you're still making movies is really great for, I think, for someone, for people to read. Well, look, I didn't shy away from the failures because, first <laughs> off, the interesting part about it is a lot of people would ask me, well, Don, over all those years, how do you remember all these stories? And the one thing I can tell you is those projects and situations that were abject failures are seared into your brain. <laughs> every story, every transgression, every studio executive, distributor, actor, collaborator who treated you wrong, you never forget those stories. So I those parts are easy to tell. you wrote a journal or something, yeah. but no, it was just no, it's, no, it's no, bad no, no. It's seared into your brain. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so anyhow. Don, have you read a lot of books about the craft of filmmaking? You know, honestly, not so much because the thing was is that, you know, I'm dating myself a little, but, uh, you know, I was making indie movies uh, before Quentin was making them <laughs> and before they became popular really in the, in, the, uh, in the culture. And so consequently, when I was starting out, I mean, the interesting story was uh, I remember I was talk telling you about my neighborhood friend Craig and I. We had a copy of American Cinematographer magazine, which was a really good, always a good uh, how-to. Uh, I'm not sure they, if they even publish it in print anymore. But uh, anyway, we uh, saw an ad for a book, and it was called The Director. 
and we went, oh my God, it, it tells you how to be a director. And we, we sent it's so a, easy. One, two, three steps. Fantastic. We mailed away for this book called The Director and got it. And I remember getting it and, and it was sitting in Craig's uh, bedroom and I uh, looked over and I'm reading about the, the author of the book and uh, again, dating myself, but the uh, uh, director was famous for having uh, directed like 150 episodes of this silly 60s sitcom called Green Acres. Oh, yeah. I've seen Green Acres. <laughs> wow. And Make I thought, nice. what are we going to learn from this guy? <laughs> but uh, anyhow, so the point was is there wasn't too much then. But now I see that there's a lot out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even in preparing to come over here, I was starting to look at some of the books available. And I thought, oh, I got to read some of these things <laughs> because cause there's a lot more detail. Like when I was coming up, there was like one or two books. I think there's like the Five C's of Cinematography by a really old school, hard lighting cinematographer. Just crying, crying, crying. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> now that would be a <laughs> yeah, crying to the fifth power. Yeah, that's a that's a good one, Mallory. Um, so yeah, I had that one uh, again with American cinematographer. They had this little. Uh, it was called the ASC Handbook that had you know it had all your you know like focal lengths and uh, you know with the T stops and your. Um, uh, you're, uh, oh my God, I'm, le- I'm losing my, uh, my, uh, memory of the, uh, depth of focus. That's oh, what it is. Go. Depth of field. So <laughs> you'd have all these charts that you would uh, use, but pretty much that's about it. So unfortunately I was limited. So I, I, I feel like the, uh, the young aspiring filmmakers nowadays, they can read the whole story, starting with True Indie, but, uh, <laughs> all the other ones, uh, you know, there, there's just a depth of, uh, knowledge easily available and not to mention i mean if you if you don't want to spend the money for books you can get it for free on on uh websites and podcasts now and the library and at the library well yeah well what about you bria so you're a filmmaker you have been you work in front of and behind the camera are there books that on craft that you love um i actually had trouble with this too i um so when i I, I think when I before I directed a movie, I also ordered like directing or some book off of Amazon. <laughs> and I actually directing don't know for what dummies <laughs> um, because I was like, I guess I have to read about how to direct something. Um, one book that someone gave me and told me I had to read was Herzog on Herzog, um, which was you know not easy to read but at least i Did read you a, read it in his voice the yeah, entire yeah, to time. Myself. <laughs> it talks about taking that boat over the mountain that's the part that i was interested in reading which i was like story, an it's amazing a great movie it's a great story yeah. but i could have just probably watched the movie yeah. <laughs> um, to be fair what is the movie about it called Fitzgeraldo. yes with um, klaus kinski yes um have you ever seen his movie about klaus kinski no, but I've heard about it. It's because it's, it's about how much she doesn't like him. Well, yeah, he was a difficult guy. There's no question about that, but a brilliant actor. The thing that's so magical about the movie is, I guess it's af- after Klaus Kinski has died, and it's all about, you know, uh, Werner Herzog kind of coming to grips with his emotions about this actor who gave him so much grief right. but also so much joy. <laughs> But there's this they got this magical moment with Klaus Kinsey standing there with this butterfly flying around his head and just landing on his shoulder and he continuing to be interviewed and then he takes it in his hand and it's 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 worth the price <laughs> wow. of the DVD Great. just for that one shot. It's amazing. That's the like stuff filmmakers dream of. Yeah. But yeah, overall I don't read that many um there's a lot of acting 
craft books. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And these are the only crafts I really do. Just so um, Oh, and gardening. Gardening books actually quite helpful um, in filmmaking. No, no, in gardening because <laughs> I do because I garden. Gardens and films are uh, so yeah. similar. Um, but I was going to say there are a couple of acting books. Um, I think it's hard to learn acting from a book. Mm-hmm. I think you have to go do it. I feel a little similar about filmmaking, but I think you can get ideas. Early on, I read The Power of the Actor, and I actually return to that book quite a bit and revisit that, especially if I'm having a moment where I'm not quite finding what I think I'm looking for and my acting in the craft of acting not necessarily in like the business side of acting um and there's a book called the actor and the target which i think is a little lesser known but i thought it was really helpful especially when i first started acting because it tells you just to have one goal throughout the entire scene and i think that's something that actors we start to get in our head where we're like and now we have to make this choice and this choice and it's like no you have one goal and that is a really helpful thing do you need an entire book to tell you that? I'm not sure, but those are two books I do return to when I'm alone in like a hotel room in Georgia and I'm trying to get through this movie, but it's like not working out for me and like nothing is hitting and I feel like I'm doing a terrible job. I'll go get those books and and return to those. I would be so afraid as an actor to read a book about it because the more <laughs> I watch actors and work with actors, I feel like the less I know about it. It seems so instinctive and almost conjuring magic. Yeah, you can get in your head when you're reading a book about it, for sure. Yeah, because the thing is, is, you know, obviously, you know, once or twice I tried to give myself a role and immediately recast myself (laughs) because, you know, I don't know if you've ever seen that uh, great Pee Wee Herman movie where he's trying to act and he's... I am like that. I am so camera conscious. And you have to be able to tune everything out. Yeah. And I just don't know. Uh, sometimes, I, sometimes I just I throw up my hands and think, well, actors, you either have it or you don't. You know, <laughs> I don't know how you can teach yourself that stuff. I'm great at tuning people out. Okay, <laughs> it's actually well, one of go. my life skills. I'm good at letting everything go. <laughs> Um, what about you, Mallory? Are you, do you read books on filmmaking, writing? I, Mallory's about to go on book tour, by the way, Dawn. Oh, so. yes. she, You guys uh, want to talk about that after this. Yes. Uh, yeah, so when I started in filmmaking, I am, I'm not a director. I'm not an actor. I am a producer, probably because I'm a masochist. And I love <laughs> organizing. <laughs> no, it's because you're organized. I am very organized. And so it was more, I, I read less books on the technical aspects of producing, mm-hmm. but more of the philosophy yeah. Uh, I started with Lloyd Kaufman's Make Your Own Damn Movie course, books, which yes. I love because uh-huh. I've always been a trauma fan. Yeah. But I love, I mean, Lloyd Kaufman is the king of indie mm-hmm. filmmaking. He He's sure really, is. He yeah. is so great. And the, like when I, I didn't go to film school, uh, I did not go to art school at all. So read, I read them more for Lloyd's sort of way of being like, make your own damn movie. You can do this. This is He makes it so accessible. And I would read those books. I mean, on the first movie that I produced that actually – completely ended up falling apart it was a nightmare but it kept me going through it because i was like you know what i don't know what i'm doing but that's okay because nobody knows what they're doing it's totally fine uh and I think I also, that's what you learn in don's book yes. as well <laughs> yeah. uh, and also lynch on lynch for the same reason yeah. uh david lynch is so great at just being like well we woke up today and everything's on fire so we're just gonna make the scene on fire and i especially when you're a producer you have to learn how to roll with things so much every day that something is happening there's a new challenge learning how to you know 
just make it work. And so having those books on hand to keep me sort of philosophically okay really helps a lot. Um, also, Chuck Wind for writing, uh, Chuck Wendig has some great books. Uh, one, mm-hmm. Damn Fine Story and The Kick-Ass Writer. They're very accessible, and it's really no, no- – I mean, Chuck Wendig is a New York Times bestselling traditional author, but he also self-publishes a lot of things. Oh. So he knows so much from both sides mm. of the fence He's really, really knowledgeable, and it's the same sort of. He's really great about being like, you know what, you want to do this, it's great. You don't have to go to to, and you don't have to get your MFA, but you just have to do it. And I think any book that's just sort of no nonsense. Here, you can do this, but you actually have to do the work. Is the best sort of stuff to read. Yeah, I, yeah. I think anybody who has any experience, they write about like all the hard things that happen. <laughs> they aren't like it's easy because yeah. if you're reading a book that says anything, any craft is easy. That's going to be. Yeah, probably not a great book to pick up. <laughs> yeah, and it's not going to do you any sort like favors. Yeah, but maybe you can direct 160 episodes of Green Acres. Yeah, and <laughs> read that book. <laughs> so, Don, are there any other crafts that you love? Besides well, filmmaking? Well, the, 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 the gardening component, we shouldn't <laughs> laugh at because I was thinking about that. Uh, yeah, I got a great book on tomatoes. I think it was from um, Sunset Magazine or one of those put out a – the entire uh, process of really, um, you know, growing a bumper crop of tomatoes. Uh, and I don't know if anybody's ever tried growing oh, tomatoes. Oh, I, yeah. I, I was serious. I garden. Yeah. I don't Vine have one in this house. But tomatoes I love- are just a, a heavenly uh, gift to us. And uh, <laughs> we should uh, encourage those. I'm interested in this book, in this tomato book, because I think – because the one thing, when I moved to California and I realized that you could just grow things and they didn't die immediately like they do in Texas. <laughs> because I had a garden in Texas and it was, I would plant basil and it would be dead in two days and I would have it here and it would be a weed in a week. Yeah, I think there's this myth that craft books can be sort of technical and boring. Mm-hmm. But there's, so, I mean, True Indie is one of them. There's so many great craft memoirs that give you a lot of know-how but also tell a really good story. Uh, H is for Hawk by Helen McDonald is a hawking book mm-hmm. but it's a you know she's a, fa- a falconer but you like you learn about her story of her life through it and it's so compelling and there's a book called Hammerhead by Nina McLaughlin about how she left her job and became a carpenter wow and oh, it's just cool. all about her wow. work as a carpenter but how you know she was a businesswoman and just sort of gave it all up to be a carpenter and it's incredible it's such a great craft book but it's such a great story wow. so i think it's a lot more Craft books are a lot more fun and readable than people think they are. Yeah, similar. Um, Caitlin Doty's first book, um, which is about becoming a mortician. Yeah, is really interesting because it has both her story, but about what it is like to be a mortician and literally work in a crematorium. Yeah, which is, I mean, that that's a good craft book yeah. to read if you're thinking about getting into that. Did, yeah. did she mention in the book that in the crematoriums that I've been in, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, everything is covered with dust. Yes. And when you think about what that dust is and you come out and you've got it all over you because they have to hammer the remains because yeah. yep. it's not once it's burned, it, you know. So anyway. Yeah, she worked at a public, the public one. So the bodies they find, um, this is pretty all dark if you haven't read the book, but yeah, people they yeah. find that they don't know who they are or they uh-huh. don't have family or people can't afford it. So it is, a, not only is it um, that aspect, but it's also pretty gross because a lot of times it's bodies they found that have been out for a while and wow. they don't yeah it's a it's a yeah. fantastic book i can't think yeah. of the name of it smoke it's in your eyes smoke the smoke gets yeah. in your eyes uh-huh. which is yeah. a fantastic title <laughs> <my list>. <laughs> <laughs> which is fantastic or i guess it should be dusk dusk gets in your eyes yeah. yeah the other kinds of um craft books that i love 
are those live off the grid books. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. know these books? There's an urban farming one I have. We're like five years away from me having to go in a tree hollow to, <laughs> to record with Bria. Um, <laughs> where I love those ones where it talks about like how to make a great toilet. You know, these like how to reuse water. I love how to make like flour out of pecans. Like I can really get into those books. Never actually accomplished any of the things that they taught. Hey, you about. never know. We're you know we're we could become the Mad Max world this year. I have a running. We're all going O'Brea so yeah, she can ma- learn how to possible. make gasoline out of. Uh... I would love if I had the time to do that kind of stuff. And maybe I will retire one day, and you'll come over, and I will hand you my like, you know, like uh, look, I made you an outfit flour. out of an old tire. <laughs> <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> you never know. I just have tire fires in my front yard all the time. Comes straight up. Wear a lot of fingerless gloves and leather. <laughs> I don't know why I changed clothes. <laughs> That's what happens in the apocalypse. We all know. I mean, this is 2020, so it's the year of Blade Runner. It's yes. the year of Akira. And it's the year of something else. So oh, we yeah. all have to start dressing like we're in the dystopian future. It is pretty freaky that we're, what, at three decades past 1984. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> but we see it coming. Because in my, like, I don't know, for me, I always feel like, I you know, I grew up in the 90s, so I always think of the 80s as like, oh, it's just, just back there. Yeah. Nope, it's crazy. <laughs> no. Uh, so, Don, for reading, as a reader, do you have a wheelhouse of things like subjects that will get you to pick up a book? Whether it's fiction or oh, nonfiction, yeah, no, I I read a lot of fiction, and uh, you know, mostly I'm seem to be drawn, and I have always been drawn to science fiction because I just find it, uh, you know, the the fact that it's it's fiction, but it's speculative, and uh, you know, great science fiction really uh, is so invigorating to read. I I, I just love it, and uh, you know, I do from time to time find a good horror book, um, and I. Can't pronounce the writer's name, so I brought it here. I read a great horror book. It's called Pen Pal. Anybody? No, we haven't that? read it. That's surprising. That is Which really surprising. A guy named Dathan Auerbach, and it's what a great lesson in the unreliable narrator. Oh, great! So if you ever have any interest in unreliable narrators, oh, we will both get that. This book it's very rare to find a great. horror book that neither one of us have read or heard of. Yeah, it's about a guy. Uh, rediscovering his childhood and starting to remember that some weird things like why did he at age five did he go to sleep and then he woke up and he was you know a half a mile in the field you know asleep in the field you know and he and he he figures it out um let's see what else am i reading i mean i've been revisiting not necessarily revisiting i've been re i've been discovering some of the great classics anybody read time and again the time travel story by jack finney great book i heard at one time that uh doug lyman was going to make it into a movie but nothing ever came of it but just a great story about and it's something that always seemed attainable to me which is that you know how sometimes you go You'll get a whiff of something, a change of season, a a smell that almost brings you back in time. It feels like, well, this, the conceit of the book is that people would dress in the period. They would go into a vintage building of the period and they would live there and think themselves back in time. Whoa. Wow. And and it works. And uh, I don't know, it was great. The other thing I... They made a pilot of this book that I just love and a science fiction book. And then the pilot wasn't picked up. And I was so disappointed. Uh, it's called Roadside Picnic. Is oh, anybody? 
Yeah, I love Roadside by Picnic. the Stugatsi brothers or Russians. Yeah, that mm-hmm. thing was great. Um, they just made that pilot. It was pretty recently. Yeah, yeah. a couple of years ago. It's online if you track it oh, down. Oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> and, and you watch it and you go, oh, why didn't they make them? <laughs> what oh, happened? So, that's always um, such a bummer. I know. I know. Um, I love Roadside Picnic. And that's pretty classic sci-fi, too. I yeah, that's, that's really classic it. stuff. Other uh, interesting. Oh, um, I'm a, a bit obsessed with North, North Korea. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you do, can you do any reading about what a, Oh, is there that book... Um, that book, uh, Kim Jong Il produ- production, um, all about the North Korean movie studios. Oh, oh yes. no, I don't know about that, but I'll have to book, read that. Um, uh, just about the wacky world of North Korean filmmaking. Yeah, yeah, well, I can only imagine how that must be insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I read this book called "The Corpse and the Choreo" um, by James Church, which was. Uh, a guy he he's a uh, he was stationed in Korea for like twenty years, and so he really knew North Korea. And it's just a cop story, but North Korean cops, and it, and you learn about what life in North Korea oh. in through a, a, oh, a so police it's fiction, procedural. But set in yeah. North Korea. Oh, yeah. that's fascinating. Yeah, it's really cool. That's cool. Uh, a guy I know wrote a great book. Do you know um, uh, Cargill? Yes, Sea of Rock, oh, Cargill. Yeah. Okay, and then you've read his Sea of Rust. Yeah, yeah we actually, Sea of Rust was a big reading glasses pick for yeah. 2017. Yeah, yeah, I think okay. it was one of my favorite. You guys books. are way I, ahead I of loved me. that. No, yeah. no, no. Please talk about it though. No. It, oh, I just love the fact that it was there were no humans left. No humans, and it's uh, just the it's like Law of the Jungle with robots and yeah. how they're trying to. Uh, survive yeah. against other forces of robots and AIs and what have you. It was very brilliant. I, I loved it. There's some great yeah. moments in that book. I, He's a great yeah. writer. Yeah. He has a new uh, short story collection mm-hmm. that came out last year. Uh, mm-hmm. This is where the nightmares live. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. And lastly, uh, I wanted to mention this book called The Half-Made World. Has anybody read that? No. By a guy named Felix Gilman. And... Um, it's uh, just an amazing take on – it's kind of a Western, but uh, you have two competing forces where you have the order of the gun. And there are these like 10 or 20 gunslingers that have got these sentient guns. Oh, cool. And it's a, like a Western. And then they're up against the order of the line. And they are these – it reminds me of Lynchian from Dune, like guys in the black leather who run the uh, – these train systems through the this west and so it's the order of the gun versus the order of the line and really interesting so it's like sci-fi western yeah yeah really good of. stuff yeah you definitely your wheelhouse is very sci-fi though yeah definitely so we understand the same as yeah. me <laughs> so, anyway uh so don where can we buy true indie um at bookstores everywhere, wherever they are, <laughs> yeah. still to this day, the last uh, last standing bookstores all have it. Uh, but of course, it's online and everywhere because it came out through St. Martin's Press. Oh, great! So, there you go. so you can send your thoughts on craft books to Reading Glasses Podcast at gmail.com. And before we solve our reader problem, we're going to get a quick break. Ooh, girl, I'm lost. It's a scary time out here for intersexual minorities. Don't worry, I know a place where we can learn, laugh, and play. Where? Minority Corner with the Wonder Twins of Podcasting, Aneke and James. Wow, they sound fabulous, smart, and incredibly attractive. At Minority Corner, you'll get everything from the history you were never taught. Like the history of Chinese immigration, or who was James Baldwin, or African queens of old, like Queen Candace. Plus, awesome book recommendations outside of the usual white male cisgender canon. Interviews from comedians, artists, 
artists, writers, and activists. Well, that sounds like a party, but hold up. What about movie and TV reviews starring folks whose melanin is poppin'? Well, you know Minority Corner loves their deep dive into pop culture, all from a perspective that's black, queer, and ladylike. Ooh, yes, and with the election just around the corner, sounds like Aneka and James are gonna get us information. Not to mention self-care, tips, how to be an ally, and how you can get involved in your community so you can help fix this mess. You know what? James and Aneka kinda sound like us. That's because they are, they are us. Whoa. Minority Corner! Now it's time to solve a bookish problem from one of our listeners. Mark writes in, Every time I want to read, I feel like I need to read a book that teaches me a concrete skill. I'm an animator and I always read books about animation or 3D modeling and cannot get myself to read otherwise because I feel guilty for not learning all I can about my craft. I don't know what it is about the way these books are written, but they're all extremely dull no matter what they're saying and it drives me insane for not being able to stick with it. If I'm not going to break this habit, then I need more books that teach me things that are fun. Don, what should Mark do about this craft guilt well, that he listen, has? I sympathize with Mark <laughs> because the difficulty of uh, comprehending the programs you do 3D animation in is so <laughs> overwhelming. I mean, you really need to uh, be one of these, you know, like a math nerd or, you know, so focused. It's the kind of stuff, whenever I picked up one of those books, I get halfway through the first page and it's like, I'll never learn this program. Just forget it. I'll oh, never man. learn 3D modeling. Forget it. So, yeah, I sympathize. I think what he needs to do is, yeah, he's going to, you know, you know, one month he needs to read one of those books and then he needs to take a full month off and read, you know, some of the other books that have we talk about on, on the podcast yeah. here that yeah. are completely outside of his wheelhouse. Wow. And Sentient you, guns. Yeah, yeah I mean, there you on. go. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I totally agree that Mark needs to have some fun. I mean, reading's about learning, but it's also about relaxing and escaping. Reading doesn't have to just be like a job you have to do. And there's a lot of fiction about animators. There's a book called The the Animators by Kayla Ray Whitaker that could be fun. Or I also think maybe Mark should read a memoir or a biography about an animator. That way, Mark, you're learning, but you're getting more of a story and you're not just getting technical know-how. And, you know, it'll give you a little bit of a break. I mean, there are so many great memoirs about Walt Disney. And then there's lesser known people. Uh, there's a book called Ink and Paint by um, Mindy Johnson that's all about the women of Disney's animation team, like from way early days to now that's really fascinating and there's just i don't mark there's a lot more you can learn that's more fun yeah, it has to be more like, more like history of animation sort of books i i actually really relate to this because i find because i think when you are you have a job that doesn't have a clock out time yes. i did i did a little motion like we were i work at a factory in the 1950s <laughs> um, but i don't clock out very yeah. often when we're writing or trying to create something so i always feel like well I could watch something for fun, but I could also do something for research or read something yeah. for research. Um, well, but I, I find that I get inspired by things that have nothing to do with what I'm working on. Absolutely true. But I'm also going to point out that I think that Mark has to realize the state of the current animation industry is it's not, um, you know, pirouetting Cinderella's anymore. I mean, when you look at, you know, just shows from The Simpsons to especially Rick and Morty, you know, it's rapid fire questions and concepts from across the entire span of the mm -hmm. culture. You know, you have to be, uh, 
you know, a, a person who has experience in everything to, to yeah. work in those fields, I think. Well, That's a great point. like a, a Rick and Morty, which I love that show, but it's like that, that show pulls from every science fiction book and movie that's relevant in the last like 40 years. Absolutely and true. And you have to be aware of all those tropes yeah. and the things they're talking about and the way they explain multiverses or something mm-hmm. like that within that world. So if he is creating sort of a science fiction or working in that world, yeah, I do think it's really important for him to be versed on like at least the big things that are happening. Yeah. You know, the big the big books people are talking about, you know, that he should be reading. Yeah. Uh, Don, I think that's a great point. I just think any, I mean, any kind of art you make, whether you're making growing tomatoes or you're making a movie or you're animating, you need, you're telling a story, you're making something creative, you need to... Uh, you need well to draw from. You need to read and watch and hear stories and new ideas and stuff. You can't just be like you. You could be the best animator in the world, but if you don't have fun ideas and you're not creative, then technically you're great, but you're not going to be making great art. This is not reading advice, but I will say the best thing I ever do for my creativity is when I feel stuck is to go on a walk, <laughs> just a quick walk <laughs> somewhere, go outside. Look at something that's not a computer. Look at and and then go somewhere else and experience something that has nothing to do with what I'm working on. Because something about that allows your brain to sort of work on whatever you're working on while you're doing other things. Well, your see, brain keeps working. and this is the challenge for the writer. Mm. Let's face it, because you know there's this uh, you you feel under this pressure to sit at a in front of a screen with a keyboard all day and just write. Whereas the truth is, is that creativity happens in all sorts of ways. Mm -hmm. And I think that uh, absolutely taking a walk, listening to music, a lot of times you can get so much done in that environment. Mm -hmm. And then you come to have this technically, you know, put it all in, enter it. That's why people have ideas in the shower because you're not thinking directly about it. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh, I have my, my plot problem is fixed. I need a pen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, I know people, I know writers who actually, if they're stuck, they will just go take a shower. So, like, so are you telling me then that that Stephen King takes <laughs> long walks Stephen and long King showers is and the uh, cleanest <laughs> man in the world? <laughs> but yeah, I think that's great. I mean, look, especially depending on what you're animating, I think reading a great fiction book that you know, if you're animating a western and reading a bunch of traditional yes. westerns and versing yourself in that world, you'll feel like you're working, but you're doing something creative. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can you can count that as work, Mark. We'll let you count it yes. so you can yeah. feel we like We will you're let working. you keep your punch card in, Mark. It's totally okay. <laughs> so if you want us to solve your reader problem, you can send it to readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. And Don, where can we find you online? Where can we watch your movies? Um my movies are uh we have a, a a new brand new uh thank you for the opportunity for a shameless plug for the uh, oh, phantasm no was was just <laughs> my movie phantasm was just released in a steelbook format Ooh. which is in stores now so very collectible and very cool and uh, you can find me on uh twitter at don coscarelli uh same with instagram facebook i've got all of those and uh um and from time to time, uh, screen my films in uh, theaters near you. So keep an eye open. Awesome. Don, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. This has been great. As always, we want to thank Danielle and Kathy, who run our Facebook group, and Chrissy and Rachel, who moderate our Goodreads page. Uh, you can email us at readingglassespodcast at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter at readinggpodcast, on Instagram at readingglassespodcast. 
Uh, you could follow along on the Reading Glasses uh, 2019 Reader Challenge with hashtag Reading Glasses Challenge. And you can always follow along on our bookish adventures using the general hashtag Reading Glasses Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for reading. It was the beginning of a long, hard winter. After the practice swords were made to Coram's satisfaction, Sklaw took over. He instructed them in the stances and passes that were such an important part of fencing. He taught them how to get a sword from its sheath quickly, a feat that looked much easier than it was. Always, Sklaw hovered nearby, criticizing, growling, complaining. The boys learned to do everything while wearing their practice swords, because there was no telling where Sklaw would turn up. The only place it was safe to take the blade off was in one's room, when one was bathing, and even then the door had to be locked. Alana made sure her door was locked. Sklaw singled her out for special treatment, perhaps because she was the smallest of the group. She did nothing right, or even better than last time. She was clumsy, she was lazy, she didn't practice because where were her muscles? She was a midget, she had been dropped on her head at birth. She would never be a full-fledged knight, only a lord, fit to do nothing but sit at home and write poetry. Alana took the abuse and practiced doggedly, trying to deafen herself to the old villain's talk. "'How did you expect me to be confident if you're bellowing at me all the time about how bad I am?' she yelled at him once. Sklaw grinned without humor. "'Well, laddie, if you've let an old buzzard like me hurt your confidence, you couldn't have had much of it in the first place.' Alana bit her lip rather than answer him back after that. Excerpt from Alana, The First Adventure, by Tamara Pierce. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.